Moto Radar with a different name. And Compass Card Craze. Yeah, a bit of a souvenir. Thought it was kind of nice. The $6 fare card that's going for 10 times the price. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. We begin with wildfire concerns as conditions around the province are heating up and drying out. Some frightening moments at Whistler Blackcomb where a fire broke out dangerously close to hotels in the resort community. Our Jeff Hastings is live there tonight. Jeff, that fire now considered to be held, which means they don't think it'll grow, but it sure gave everyone quite a scare. Yeah, frightening is the word. People here are certainly scared about 24 hours ago, Sophie, when the fire broke out on the mountain behind me. To give you an idea of just how close it came to homes, just on the side of the hill there, Blackcomb Mountain. If you look behind me, in the middle of the green, there's a brownish, reddish smudge, a smear in the green trees. That's retardant that was dropped by a bomber about this time last night. An air show above the upper village. A small but swiftly growing wildfire on Blackcomb Mountain probably the closest I've ever seen a wildfire to buildings in Whistler in my uh, 27 years living here. Firefighters pulled no punches. The bomber backed up by bucketing helicopters. Okay, this has got huge potential and it's just the, it's the witching hour. It's that time of day when things can uh, really progress in, in, in the fire. So we needed to keep it small and we needed to hammer it with as many resources as we could. Kilometers of hose run down the mountain from the snowmaking reservoir up top. A high-pressure water line put into place by Whistler Blackcomb workers, stopping the blaze in its path while they waited for the cavalry to arrive. It was a combined effort. Uh, initial response came from uh, the Whistler Fire Rescue Service. Uh, great assistance we got from Whistler Blackcomb staff. And then Provincial Forestry came in as well. There was water on the fire in under half an hour, stopping disaster in its tracks just a few hundred meters from homes. We were experiencing rank two and rank three fire behavior at the time, and that's just at that level where it, it, it's just going to pop into a crown, and once it gets into the crown, things are dry enough right now, away it goes. A hazy morning, a little smoke greeting Whistler visitors. The fire is fully contained, mostly smoldering, allowing investigators to gather evidence. A propane tank possible clue as to how all this happened. Well, the cause is definitely human caused. There's some human act activity in the area, but I can't really give you any more information that right now the RCMP are investigating. All right, Jeff, it is pretty hot and dry out there. What are wildfire crews saying about the conditions right now? Well, Sophie, this is something that I think a lot of people would love to do, and that's forget about that long, wet winter. Forget about that late, cool spring and all that rain. None of that matters right now. It's drying out extremely quickly, and that could soon lead to a campfire ban. We're just short of having the indices and the numbers to put a campfire ban in. That, If we keep on going down the road we are, then we're going to go into the campfire ban, which, is, which takes it to another new level in which we've got to put out patrols, signage, and, and maintain a watch. And that's another new level, Sophie, that we could be. It's only early July. We could be there, according to fire officials, through until October. Back to you. All right, thanks for that, Jeff Hastings at the base of Blackcomb Forest tonight. Meantime, hundreds of campers near Harrison Hot Springs had their long weekend plans cut short when a wildfire in that area forced their early departure. Grace Key is live there tonight. Grace, that fire is still burning out of control. 
Yeah, we just returned from that area there, just the uh, Harrison East Forest Service Road. Now, we did uh, certainly see some campgrounds that were still open, but a lot of the campers were asked to leave, not for their safety, but because it was uh, causing some congestion in the area. One by one, air support scoops down for water at Harrison Lake to help battle a wildfire still burning out of control. About 30 kilometers north of Harrison Hot Springs, the blaze is about 5% contained. It hasn't grown overnight and is still estimated at 60 hectares in size. Wind has been a concern for firefighters. It is very steep terrain and we do have some winds uh, that we're there's uh, gusts of 30 kilometers an hour wind predicted for today. However, that is favorable the way the wind is blowing for our operation. The fires out here? Yeah. Oh, is that why it shut down? Makes yeah. sense. At Harrison East Forest Service Road, people are being turned away at the Cogburn Beach campsite. Today, the roads are clear. We're having a, an evacuation in regards to the fire up there. And uh, so everybody on the beach is moving out now. That wasn't the case Sunday. On the Canada Day weekend, campers were ordered to leave, not for their safety, but because their vehicles were causing a congestion on the narrow roadway, making it difficult to transport equipment and workers to the fire. We had two more days, and now it's time to go. The open forest service road didn't go unnoticed with locals who say it can get busy here during the summer months. It's, yeah, it's busy up here. Yeah, this, this is a Trans-Canada Highway on a long weekend. With the fire said to be human-caused, this local has a piece of advice for campers. Clean up your garbage and put your damn fires out. So right now the fire not threatening any structures again. Uh, the wind's certainly been picking up throughout the day, but again, still working in the favor of the firefighters. Sophie? All right, Grace Key for us tonight. Grace, thank you. And it's a busy day for fire crews tackling this fast-moving grass fire in Kamloops. Investigators say a piece of construction material started this fire after hitting a power pole. If you are familiar with the area, it broke out near homes on Saddleback Drive in the Bachelor Heights neighborhood. It's now one and a half hectares, but it is considered to be under control. So let's bring in Yvonne Shell. Yvonne, it looks like the summer heat has arrived and it is sticking around. Yes, and for the first few weekends into summer, we've already seen some record-breaking heat. Today, Environment Canada has issued a summer forecast, and this looks at a, what we'll see over the next three months. The areas which are in red, and that's right across the country, and for us across B.C., we'll be seeing above seasonal temperatures. So we are looking at warm temperatures over the next three months, and we are even seeing it in the short term. I'll have that coming up very shortly. So, All right, thanks, Yvonne. A large home in Surrey going up in flames this afternoon. Almost two dozen firefighters battling this one. It took a few hours to get it under control. One firefighter suffered minor injuries. Most of the damage contained to the roof. The cause is under investigation. And fire crews quickly getting water on this home in New Westminster. Smoke seen rising from the roof of the two-story property in the 500 block of Holland Street this afternoon. No word yet on a cause. Thankfully, no injuries in this one. Investigators are trying to determine what caused an Amtrak train to derail on a popular route from Vancouver to Oregon. Two cars came off the tracks yesterday near Chambers Bay, causing minor injuries. In 35 years, Karen Vincent hasn't seen anything like this. Never. It's never happened. She and her husband have a boat here at the marina where the train derailed. He was out on their boat yesterday while she was at the dock near the lift bridge. They stopped the trains uh, both directions and then they open the bridge and you come or go and then they lower it and 
uh, they had boats had just come through. They lowered it. After the bridge lowered, she said her husband saw a train coming. And he thought to himself, I wonder why that train is going so fast. And he thought that was strange. And then all of a sudden he heard the crash and saw a plume of uh, smoke. It's kind of like when you uh, are in an earthquake and you almost can't, you feel it more than you hear it. That's what it was like. The Amtrak train came off the tracks in an area where BNSF has installed a safety device that will intentionally derail a train when the bridge is up. There is a bridge tender that monitors this process. It's unclear what, if any, role that played in this derailment. The bridge tender was there, and he jumped in the water because the train was coming at him. So my husband fished his um, flashlight hat out of the water. I don't know how hurt he was. We saw him afterwards, and he looked sore. Housing affordability, a frustration for many Canadians right across the country. A new poll by Ecos Research shows about two in five Canadians believe housing is too expensive for them, a belief that appears to be common for people at all income levels. Here in Vancouver, as you might expect, just 2% of respondents said housing is affordable. And it's likely to get a little tougher here. There have been numerous warnings, but now, for the first time in years, we could see interest rates climb, and maybe even in the next couple of weeks. Tetranecki has more on what's behind the hike and how it'll affect your bottom line. On a holiday Monday afternoon, you can find an open house in downtown Vancouver, and it'll be well attended, even with an asking price of $2.3 million. That's for this penthouse condo in Yaletown. 1,234 square feet on the 17th floor in a unit that's been completely remodeled. Plus, there's a rooftop deck. So this is your private uh, rooftop deck. you got full natural gas, water, so you can have a barbecue up here. But the mortgage interest rate times are changing. For the first time in seven years, the Bank of Canada is expected to increase its prime lending rate, probably by a quarter percent. Right now you get 2.49 for a five-year fixed. And if it goes to 3.5, full point. full point, and you're at $60 more per month, so that really affects the first-time buyers that are trying to get into the market. 13, that's the number you need to know. A quarter-point hike in mortgage rate equals $13 per month per $100,000 of debt. So it also means it's $65 more a month if you have a $500,000 mortgage or $780 more per year. Because quarter-point, like, you know, for the long term, it's not going to make any impact on my strategy yeah. trying to buy something in Vancouver. I think the impact will be more psychological than it will be monetary. These mortgages already have been stress tested and the quarter point or even a half a point shouldn't have a significant impact. It's becoming apparent that the Canadian economy is working around the ongoing slump in the oil sector. Inflation is on the rise. But because Canadians have had money to borrow so cheap for so long, they're so much more in debt. The Bank of Canada cannot afford to raise rates too much because if it did, many Canadians couldn't afford to pay them. Ted Chernacki, Global News. A picture-perfect Sunday afternoon at a New Jersey beach. The problem is, this beach is closed. What's behind the closure and why this photo has resulted in a U.S. governor getting burned? That's later. And Brave Battle, entertainment reporter Maria Menounos, already caring for her mother who's battling brain cancer, goes public with her own personal diagnosis. 
Now, a controversial speed control program that was axed more than 15 years ago could be making a comeback on Vancouver Island. The Capital Regional District is contemplating photo radar for the Malahat Highway, which is notorious for speeders. But as Nitu Garcha reports, the new version would have one major change. At least give it a test run. That's the message from some members of the Capital Regional District. They're considering a new way of catching speeders on this twisty mountain highway near Victoria. Automated cameras in permanent locations along the Malahat. This would, using technology, have an opportunity to measure the time that it takes for a car to move from one area to another. And if that vehicle is caught speeding, a snapshot of the license plate will help penalize the perpetrator. If the accidents are still occurring, clearly there's a safety issue. Photo radar was scrapped by the B.C. Liberals in 2001, but advocates say the proposed interval-based enforcement cameras are much different because they'll have permanent locations. The technology seems to be available, so perhaps it is something we should at least take a look at. But the cameras aren't likely to cruise in without debate. The idea not sitting well with many drivers we talk to. Just stick with what they got. Is it a a cash grab or is it going to be something to truly make people drive safer? I don't know. I feel like there are so many spots on the Malahat where the traffic's so congested and your time is so crunched that sometimes you just need to speed up a bit to get to where you're going. If that's the case, what about more lanes and median barriers? Those are already part of the province's $34 million safety upgrade project on a section of the accident-prone highway. Speedcam proponents say it's not nearly enough, but even they are left with unanswered questions like how much would the interval cameras cost? Now this proposal will be discussed on Wednesday, and if the Capital Regional District votes in favour, then it will be asking the Cowichan Valley Regional District for support in calling on the province to install these controversial cameras. A move that Premier-designate John Horgan staff tell Global News they'd be interested in taking a look at. Neetu Garcha, Global News, near Victoria. Coming up, Chris Christie's day at the beach. He's allowed to have fun, not we, right? Why these photos are causing so much controversy for the New Jersey governor. But first, how the TransLink Compass Card became a high-priced collector's item. Of all the collectibles celebrating Canada's 150th birthday, this could be the most unlikely. Global's John Watt tells us how some Compass Cards from TransLink are up for sale online for as much as 10 times the original price. Celebrating Canada's 150th birthday, a big moment for British Columbians. Canada's the greatest place in the world to live. But can you put a price on public transit patriotism? It's kind of a novelty, I guess. Yeah, a bit of a souvenir. Only 20,000 of the Canada 150 Compass cards were given out for six bucks each. Now on Craigslist for more than ten times that. I mean, there's always a niche market for any collectible items. If it's like $5 get the normal one, I'd probably pay like $10 get the fancy one, I guess. No, no way, no way. Trans is expensive enough as is. Now the highest price on Craigslist for one of these Canada 150 Compass cards is about $80. But in the seller's defense, he says he'll actually come down here to show you that there's already $5 stored on the card to help you with that first bit of travel. I think it's a ripoff. For those lucky enough to get the coveted card, it might just be worth cashing in. I mean, if someone offered to buy it for like $80 or $100, sure, why not? Others say the special transit pass is priceless. Would you sell your card for $80? No, this this is a memorable cost. Some say making money off of a proud historical moment just doesn't seem 
very Canadian. Pretty un-Canadian. Incredibly un-Canadian. Yes. <laughs> like, that, that's American. Still one look on Craigslist proves people will pay a premium to remember Canada's 150th one tap at a time. John Hua, Global News. The story of that young couple whose small plane disappeared between Cranbrook and Kamloops has once again raised the issue of the safety of some light aircraft. A Penticton man thinks he has the answer for quickly locating downed planes in B.C.'s vast and rugged terrain. Global Okanagan's Shelby Tom reports. It's been almost one month since a small plane disappeared over the southern B.C. interior, the single-engine Piper Warrior being piloted by Alex Simons. The passenger, his girlfriend, Cindy Robillard, both 21 years old. On June 8th, the plane left Lethbridge and stopped at the Cranbrook Airport to refuel before heading on to Kamloops. The couple never made it, prompting a large and ultimately unsuccessful rescue effort. But could the outcome happen different? They're just kind of woke me up and said, heavens, our RI-50 will, will track that and report that immediately. The plane, similar to this one, was equipped with an emergency locator beacon that activates upon impact. It's presumed to have failed, leaving rescuers with little to go on and heavily treed in mountainous terrain. Clive Ross says his Penticton company's GPS tracking technology, usually used for ground transportation, might have made the difference there's a high likelihood this would have been sending a signal before the, the aircraft got down to the ground level and so therefore the, the, the rescue people would know exactly where it was or within a mile or two. So you think this could save lives? Yes, no question about it. The portable device can transmit satellite signals to tracking software on the ground every 15 seconds. It can also automatically report the aircraft's location coordinates if it senses the plane is in trouble. This pilot who is testing the device says it could be a game changer for the light aircraft industry. Nothing is going to replace good decision making, but we can't save you if we can't find you. Tuckwood says some private pilots and small training schools can't afford the other pricey GPS technology on the market. There is a big gap because most, pe- most aircraft don't have one at all. They use the old school ELT, which is on impact it sends off. Maybe it'll trigger it. The 25-year flying veteran confident Simons and Robillard would not still be missing if they had one of these on board. Yeah, they would have been found. Shelby Tom, Global News, Penticton. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau arrives in Ireland to meet with the country's Prime Minister and President. Trade with the European Union expected to be a major topic. On Wednesday, Trudeau will head to Scotland for a private audience with the Queen and then he is on to the G20 summit hosted by German Chancellor Angela Merkel. Police say terrorism was not behind an incident near Boston's airport that sent 10 people to hospital. When he talked to the driver, he was driving that car. He said just the car started accelerating by itself and even he cannot control the wheel. So he went straight through. A taxi plowed into a group of pedestrians, injuring some of them seriously. It happened near Logan International Airport's cab pool area. Police are calling it operator error and say the driver stayed at the scene. And 18 people died and 30 more were injured, some seriously, after a bus hit a truck in Germany and burst into flames. Helicopters flew victims to hospital while firefighters worked for hours to completely put out the fire. It happened on a popular tourist route. No word yet on the cause. Tennis star Venus Williams broke down today during an emotional post-game news conference at Wimbledon. 
but it had nothing to do with her game. It came as she made her first public comments about a fatal car accident police say she was responsible for. Minutes after Venus Williams won her opening match at Wimbledon, the tennis star with a very different set of emotions. There's really no words to describe like how devastating and yeah. At the podium, Williams struggled. They're completely speechless and it's just... The 37-year-old speaking publicly for the first time about the fatal car crash she was involved in on June 9th. Florida investigators say Williams was traveling through a green light at five miles an hour when the light changed. According to the police report, Linda Barson says Williams' SUV cut in front of her car. She was unable to avoid the crash. Her husband, Jerome, 78, died from head injuries two weeks later. The family is now suing Williams. What Mrs. Barson and the family is looking for is for Ms. Williams to be able to step forward and accept responsibility. Williams' attorney calls the accident unfortunate, saying Venus expresses her deepest condolences to the family who lost a loved one. But this, her first time facing the cameras. Today, Williams winning on the court, but still struggling off it. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News. Well, not your ordinary case for animal control officers in Central California. Somehow, this dog managed to get onto a beam over a drainage canal in the community of Taft. Getting off, however, proved to be much more difficult. Luckily, an animal services officer was willing to risk his own safety to get to him, get a rope around him, and then get him out of danger. They've nicknamed him Wade and say he is doing well. He's already, according to public opinion polls, the most unpopular governor in the United States. Now New Jersey's Chris Christie is being blasted for soaking up the sun with his family on a beach he had closed because of a budget showdown. I don't have any money. New Jersey Governor Chris Christie causing fireworks of a different kind this holiday. It's not right. It's not fair. Christie was captured on camera taking his family to the beach Sunday. But they were the only ones there. Thanks to a budget standoff, hundreds of would-be beachgoers were turned away by police because state parks and beaches were shut down. He's allowed to have fun, not we, right? The governor stayed at a residence provided by the state, a decision he's defending. Swakos, run for governor, then you can have the residence. The images of Christie quickly going viral. After swift public backlash, his spokesperson tonight blaming the legislature. We're talking about two beaches that had to be closed, not because the governor closed them personally, but because we don't have a budget provided to us from the legislature for him to sign. Christie blaming the media for the aerial photos. I really wonder about journalists who spend money flying planes to look whether people are actually where they said they would be. The uproar, just the latest hit for the governor. Four years ago, he was re-elected, praised for his response to Hurricane Sandy. But then came Bridgegate and his failed presidential campaign. Now, Christie has the lowest approval rating of any governor in more than 20 years. This was an incident of remarkably bad judgment. And everybody has one, but this one is pretty bad. And you're saying he knows better. He knows better. But the damage may already be done. He just doesn't care anymore. So he's kind of at a point where uh, he's checked out. 
New Jersey is one of nine states that wasn't able to pass a budget on time. Here at Liberty State Park, you can actually see police guarding the entrance where a fireworks display was scheduled to be held but had to be moved because of the shutdown. PC Center for Disease Control says it may have figured out what caused a norovirus outbreak that sickened more than 400 people across Canada. As Rumi Nadea reports, it says the outbreak, uh, outbreak linked to BC oysters was spread by ocean currents and unseasonable weather. Lobster has competition again. BC oysters back on the menu after a Health Canada warning. Well, I think the actual distributors and the uh, actual shellfish farmers are more ecstatic than I am, but I'm actually quite happy about it too. Across Canada, more than 400 people became ill from the norovirus outbreak, which hit oyster farms on Vancouver Island last November. Now health officials believe they know what happened. We had a very cold, very wet um, and very low sunlight for many months, and we have uh, evidence to show that norovirus is able to survive very, very well in cold conditions for long periods of time. The theory is the virus may have spread through raw sewage and moved quickly because of ocean currents this winter. When there's heavy rainfall, we believe that it may be able to travel some distances from sources of sewage, 10 to 20 kilometers, but we're not sure if it can go further than that. The outbreak forced the closure of 13 oyster farms on the island. All but one has reopened. Even though norovirus is no longer a threat, the Centre for Disease Control is still preaching precaution. I think oyster consumers should enjoy their oysters cooked and they should uh, cook them well, very well. We say to an internal temperature of 90 Celsius for 90 seconds. But the degree of risk depends on the consumer. And that's what it's all about. Now who's going to eat it? Romina Dea, Global News. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A helicopter was called into a canyon near Verona, Italy for a very unusual rescue. That story right after Yvonne's forecast. And Yvonne, it's been such a lovely couple of days. I've only been back in the country for a short time, but... I, I like what I'm coming back to. Yes, it's been nice for the long weekend, fantastic for many areas. We've seen dry conditions, and the temperatures are going to warm up. And I'll have more on that in just a moment. But uh, we're overlooking English Bay in our tower cam. A partly cloudy sky to the airport with 19 as the current temperature, a southwesterly wind at 11 kilometers per hour. The high today was closer to 20 degrees for most areas, right around the average for this time of the year. A record on this day, a hot one, 30 degrees set back in 1942. Official sunset this evening will be at 9.21. A snapshot of some of the highs across the province today, touching the 30-degree mark for Lillooet and Kamloops. A Soyuz today up to 31 degrees, Trail up to 32, and for Victoria, topping out at 20 degrees. Satellite and radar, we have still seen some instability for the northeastern corners of the province. It is going to ease off. It'll just be Fort Nelson tomorrow that'll see that chance of a shower. And most areas across the north coast will also be into some breaks. Central and southern half of the province remaining dry over the next few days. Four coastal sections tomorrow up to 16 degrees. Dees Lake will still see a chance of showers or heavier precipitation towards the afternoon. The pace will be up to 20 degrees in areas into the central interior, pleasant with a mainly sunny sky. Quinnell even climbing up to 24 degrees. Most spots for the interior will start to see the return for some heat tomorrow into the low 30s with Kamloops up to 33 degrees, Whistler with the mainly sunny sky in 26 and similar for Hope. Across the island, it will be a touch cooler if you're closer to the water.
water at 18 degrees. Victoria up to 22 degrees and the eastern sections of the island will range between 24 and 25. Port Hardy will see some cloud cover in the morning and then it clears out towards the afternoon. For the valley tomorrow, areas near Chilliwack and Abbotsford will see highs of 25 and 26 degrees. By the water tomorrow, 22 and then the heat is on. It'll be hot once again Thursday, Friday and leading into next weekend so far. So the return for some sunshine in the UV index tomorrow will be at 7 or high. An anniversary announcement this evening going out to Charlie and Vivian Elliott celebrating their 71st wedding anniversary. So congratulations to you. And a great weather window submission this evening. And this was taken by Jim Mitchell of the Fireworks on Canada Day in Nanaimo. So very nice. Thank you, Yvonne. <laughs> Squires in the back. Squires trying to get behind me right now. <laughs> Go ahead. Close Go ahead. Call. It's the best. Get to your seat. You have a couple of minutes. We're not quite there yet. <laughs> I've got things to say. <laughs> Just walk on through. He's news bombing right now. All right. We'll talk to him in a sec. But right now, we want to tell you about an unusual rescue in Italy where a helicopter had to be called in to help a very large victim. A 700 kilogram cow was airlifted to safety after falling into, the, into a canyon in the mountains near Verona. She was set down gently near her stall and appears to have only a minor injury to one of her legs. Well, if you are willing to shell out some money and travel to Kamloops, you can take to the skies in a piece of history. A B-25 bomber that flew in some of the most pivotal battles of the Second World War. Our report is from CFJC. To Europe and flew, it was based in Corsica, uh, Saragia, Corsica, and actually a uh, dropped bombs and had missions over Italy and Yugoslavia. It was considered a medium bomber and it had about a 4,000 pound uh, payload for bombs. Uh, the airplane in Europe was uh, a so-so airplane and not many people know about it. Uh, it did fly in every theater of war and it's flown by every ally. Before the U.S. entered the Second World War following the attack on Pearl Harbor, the B-25 bomber was lent to allies, including Canada. So we gave uh, the B-25 and the P-51 to, uh, to uh, Canada, and the Canadians actually picked up the airplanes and flew them to England and, and operated out of England. And now, some 70 years later, this B-25 bomber is still going very thrilling. You know, it's a very exhilarating airplane. It's very agile. It, it performs just exactly the way it did in World War II. This type of B-25 bomber was key in the American raids on Tokyo in 1942. The U.S.'s retaliation four months after Japan's attack on Pearl Harbor. A famous raid that was made into a movie 30 seconds over Tokyo in 1944. We have 12 50 caliber machine guns on them. That was typical for a, a J model right out of the factory. The B-25 bomber, which is from the Arizona Commemorative Air Force Museum, is stationed in Kamloops all this week through Sunday. This is fantastic. I don't think Kamloops has ever brought in something like this before. And this is living history. Uh, this bomber actually flew 15 combat missions in the Second World War. That's the whole purpose, and that's our, our uh, goal, is to educate, uh, especially young people, of what World War II was all about and uh, the sacrifices that were made to win that war. We don't really want to repeat it again. Good-looking aircraft. Yeah. It'd be fun to fly in a piece of history.
Uh, you just mentioned Nathan's hot dog tomorrow. Eating contest tomorrow is July fourth, so that's the, oh, the right, biggest event in eating. In, in, e- competitive in the sport eating. of eating. In the sport of competitive eating, it's Nathan's uh, famous hot dog eating contest. Yeah, exactly. I know. Joey yes. Chestnut's yeah, the guy. Yeah, Joey right? Chestnut's always the guy. Yeah. Eat how ten many, March? Seventy yeah. in ten minutes. Yeah. Well. Why would you want to watch the, someone? I Why know. would you want to eat? Get about, they get like about. 30,000 fans, I think, or something like that. But there's this disgusting place behind the facade that is called the Spit and Spew Zone. Hey, I think when you eat 70 hot dogs, you ain't keeping those down. No. You're not keeping those down. It's before. People are eating dinner right now. I know. Our apologies. You're going to have highlights of that tomorrow. Oh, you bet. Right in the middle of dinner. (laughs) Not the spit and whatever. (laughs) (laughs) We can tease you with one of these record eating contests and then we'll... Go ahead. Tomorrow. Which one do you want? Well, uh, okay, so some guy ate 4,375 three-pound apple pies in eight minutes. Is that right? That seems yeah, not right. That doesn't seem right, no. Seems there, is, there is a major league eating website. League, like. yes. Okay. Uh, in 2014, Eugenie Bouchard was red hot, like Robin Thicke was. And in 2017, she's not, just like Robin Thicke. Uh, three years ago, she was in the Wimbledon final. Today, she was out in round one. Not so well. And this guy's wondering why no one's sitting beside him. I don't know if it's the jacket and the tie or the way he was eating. So, Eugenie Bouchard had a great start against Carlos Suarez Navarro. Jeannie won the first set, but it has often been the case with Eugenie Bouchard since 2014. She just seems to lose her way partway through these matches. In the second round, she was defeated 6-1, to one, or second set, I should say. In the third set, more of the same. This looks easy for her, right in the net. She is out. Two sets to one. But a young woman from Montreal, also from Montreal, like Bouchard, did win her first round match. Francoise Abanda, 139th in the world, beat Kurumi Nora of Japan, 6-2, 6-4, so Abanda moves on to the second round. Rafael Nadal, French Open winner, taking on John Millman. Should mention, big upset in the men's side. Stan Marinka was knocked out, but Nadal was not. This is Rafael Nadal's way of telling John Millman, get off my lawn. And again. And again. Andy Murray won his first round match. We'll watch Nadal finish this one off. Milos Ronic, Fashik Pospisil, they are up tomorrow morning, our time, in day two of Wimbledon. Alexander Radulov, he of the one-handed playoff goal for Montreal, no longer plays for Montreal. Signed with Dallas as a free agent, five years, $6.25 million per season. That's 500 k more than Tyler Sagan makes in Dallas. The Stars are trying to bounce back from that awful last season. New coach, Ken Hitchcock, Mark Mathot, Aaron defense, Ben Bishop, and now Radulov. The Canucks did their free agent shopping on Saturday, and they looked in the bargain bins. Thankfully, this time there was no Louis Erickson-like deals. No more trying to retool. It's all about rebuilding with kids, although they did plug a few holes with veterans in their 20s on Saturday. Sam Gagne, the main guy, he should help in the power play. Not a bad pickup, really, uh, but this is still a draft lottery roster. Now, in order to stay with Golden State, Kevin Durant is taking a $9 million pay cut. But KD is not making I-can-only-eat-KD-for-dinner money. He still gets $25 million next season. He could have got 34 and a half in a max contract, but he's taking less. 
to give Golden State room underneath the salary cap so they can keep the band together. I like that. Yeah, isn't that nice? Steph Curry, oh, he got big money. Uh, combat sports may just seem to be MMA and boxing and the choreographed world wrestling entertainment. They dominate the headlines, they dominate pay-per-views, but there's a lot more ways for athletes to beat on each other in a sporting way, like kickboxing, and one of the best lives among us. Yeah, well, it's just like what, you know, what, what, what If all goes according to plan, you could be looking at a future world champion. South Surrey's Josh Johnson is in the home stretch of training for the biggest fight of his career. Johnson's fought all over the world. Next week, it's the ultimate for any combat sports fighter, throwing down inside New York's Madison Square Garden. I mean, for me, it's a dream come true. And uh, it's, I mean, to be in the same arena as guys like Muhammad Ali and Joe Fraser, Roberto Duran, Joe Lewis, Mike Tyson, I mean, the list goes on and on and on about who's fought at Madison Square Garden. John C. is currently the fifth-ranked fighter in the world's number one kickboxing league, Glory. The 24-year-old has been fighting since the age of nine, with most of his in-ring action coming overseas. That's because professional kickboxing under Canada's criminal code is still technically illegal, which only makes the road to a world championship that much more harder to travel down. Despite the legal red tape, Johnson's become one of the best in the world in a combat profession few people understand or maybe even agree with. It's, it's the ultimate form of competition, really. It's the ultimate form of testing yourself. Um, lots of time fighting is, is a metaphor for life. You know, there's a lot of struggle behind fighting or within the fight, you know, and um, learning to be able to keep going no matter what, never giving up, no matter how hard it gets. Good. This will be John C.'s second bout of 2017 and second fight since breaking his hand last year. Come next Friday, he plans to make the most of his New York minutes. After this fight, um, you know, we're one step closer to that belt. Um, we're only in, uh, in July, you know, so we still have uh, more months this year to, to get the belt. Uh, we want it before he's 25 years old. That's February, so we have until January to get the belt, and hopefully we get it by then. Jay Janor, Global Sports. All right, Marcus Stroman, Jays, struggling these days in New York to face the Yankees. Speaking of struggling, bases loaded. Oh, that's off Chase Headley's ankle. That's one run for the Yankees. Bases still loaded. Stroman, nope, that's a walk. That's another one for the Yankees. 2-1 in the eighth inning. Toronto still has a chance, so I have to show you this one today. Lots Orlando Arcia from first to third. Now that's safe. This is Orioles and Brewers. They miss him. Here we go. He's in the rundown. Usually this is a gimme for the defensive team, but no! That's like Indiana Jones escape. And then they got to cool him off afterwards. Stage three, Tour de France. Slovakia's Peter Sagan sprint to the finish, wins this. He is fourth overall, 13 seconds behind the leader. Geraint Thomas still leads and holds yellow jersey. He is from Britain. He was, oh yeah, he's from Britain, the guy's yellow jersey. Yes. Yes, there you go. <laughs>
<laughs> Thanks, Squire. You're welcome. Let's check in with Andrew now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. And Thanks, Sophie. And some breaking news overseas. North Korea has conducted another missile test. The ballistic missile may land in Japan's exclusive economic zone off the country's coast. And we're also keeping an eye on the wildfire situation. A large portion of the province is under a moderate to extreme risk right now. One of the latest fires, you touched on it earlier tonight, a grass fire in Kamloops, a piece of construction material striking a power pole, igniting the grass. We'll have that story and the rest of the day's news when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Sophie. All right. Thanks for that, Anne. Maria Menunos. She's leaving her job as co-anchor of E! News after being diagnosed with a brain tumor. That news coming as she helps care for her mother, who has brain cancer. Over the past year, while helping her mother battle stage 4 brain cancer, Maria Menunos could tell something was wrong with her own body. So she went to her doctor. I said, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but I feel like I have a brain tumor like my mom. In an exclusive People magazine story, Menunos reveals that doctors found a golf ball-sized tumor in her brain. I love you. Last month, on her 39th birthday, the tumor was surgically removed. And it was benign. For me, I saw it as a huge blessing and a huge gift because I needed to change my life. What she has is called meningioma, a slow-growing tumor that forms on the membranes covering the brain and spinal cord. It occurs more often in middle-aged women and is usually not cancerous, but symptoms can include headaches, blurred vision, and speech problems, all of which Menunos experienced. Usually, if they can get most of it out of there, it's less than 10% that it's going to recur. In her case, her surgeon says 6 or 7% chance that it might recur because he got most of it out. Tomorrow, we celebrate our favorite bachelor. Well, her prognosis is good. Menounos has decided to step down as co-anchor of E! News so she can focus on her family and herself. We're caretakers as women, and we, ha- we, we help everybody, and we put ourselves last, always. And I don't think that we, at least for me, like, I guess I realized, like, I didn't value myself in a lot of ways. More of her emotional story can be found on the People Entertainment Weekly Network app. Today on social media, Menunos wrote, I'm recovering well and should be as good as new very soon, but her mom will need more treatments. So she hopes the flood of support will keep pouring in. Joe Fryer, NBC News, Los Angeles. Wow, hoping the best for her, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, have you dug into? I just look at these tucked into these, any well these record. world eating records. I mean, it really is it's, disgusting. It's stomach turning. Fifty pancakes in ten minutes. Fifty pancakes. Five zero. Are we talking like regular size? Three point two five ounce pancakes? pancakes. How about ten pounds of spaghetti in eight minutes? Oh, I don't. 40, how do you how, how do you do that? Forty one cheeseburgers in ten minutes. Do you, do you practice? Do you train for this to stretch what, your stomach? No. Like, like we, we look, one of the they have women's and men's division. One of the top women for years is a woman named Sonia Thomas, who's from the United States. She is 105 pounds. So maybe she just doesn't eat, and then she only eats the competition. <laughs> if, you know any, if you know of any competitive food eating people. Please let us know because I need to understand it. We're very <laughs> curious. To understand what the strategy is. You need is. to go home and try to eat ten no. pounds of spaghetti, and then you'll understand. I'm it. quite hungry right now, but yeah. I'm, I'll, I'll and do it.